0: A lot of celebrities have gone vegan this holiday season, including, from what I hear, one Santa Claus.
1: I want to make that stand up. But obviously, um, talking reindeer and little helpers from what you and I would call other species of humanity might help you make the connection.
0: So what do you want for Christmas?
1: Well, the usual. I, I, I hope Santa will bring me good reviews for the vegan option on iTunes and peace on earth.
0: Peace on Earth is a pretty tall hoarder, but Professor Steven Pinker says that violence is declining, including to other animals.
1: Does this mean I can have peace on Earth?
0: Well, you're going to have to settle for a show about it. But I've already talked to Pinker.
1: I'll talk to Gary Francione, who roundly disagrees.
0: And Peter Singer on his work Steven Pinker built.
1: The grandfather of animal liberation and the iconoclast of animal rights in one show.
0: Well... It is Christmas, the season to throw people with very strong disagreements in awkward configurations. Although, happily, in this instance, not over a dead bird. With Ian MacDonald and Diana Fleischman. With stories, science and analysis from a vegan perspective, this must be the vegan option.
1: The term peace on earth comes from the Gospel of Luke and was the refrain of Longfellow's poem.
0: Well, more importantly, what does it mean to our listeners? I went to a vegan Christmas fair and I asked them.
1: Peace on earth is something we can drive for every second of,
2: the, um, every second of our lives, every second of the day. Veganism is the biggest thing that will bring peace on earth. We God for every living thing, irrespective of species, uh, kindness and compassion. And that everything's got as much right to be here as we have.
1: Uh, it's a slogan at Christmas, I think. Really? Is it? Yes, predominantly yes. It means sitting down with the animals and sharing food together. Do you
0: think there ever will be peace on
3: Earth? Aye, but not in this lifetime. There must be. Maybe not total non-violence, but not not the not the extreme acts that we that we do today. This is what I think people can agree on. Even if some people are not going to take the step to make to become vegan, I think that it's. Almost everyone should be able to agree that there shouldn't be factory farming, for example.
1: So four or five hundred years might just do it? Not, I
3: don't think in my lifetime, but
1: that's what I'm here for, to work towards. So it sounds
0: like there's lots of views, but to us, peace on earth is about goodwill to all, humanity and animals. But Professor Pinker's book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, says that violence is declining. His core thesis is that the further back in history you go the higher the chance of being the victim of violence or being the victim of violent death.
1: For example, the hordes of Genghis Khan
0: killed about a tenth,
1: possibly, of the medieval world.
0: But most importantly, from our perspective, is the idea that human violence to other animals is also declining. And Steven Pinker thinks that human violence towards non-human animals is also decreasing. And he's got a number of ways that he tries to prove this in his book and he builds a lot on Peter Singer's work about the expanding circle of morality. Peter Singer is the utilitarian
1: philosopher from Australia whose 1975 book, Animal Liberation, is often called the Bible of the
0: movement. Diana's interest? So I read Animal Liberation in 2008, and I went vegan the next day, and I asked Peter Singer what he thinks about peace on earth.
4: Peace on earth means that uh, there would be a cessation of violence, and that would include, in my view, not merely violence by humans against other humans, but also violence against non-human animals. I think there will always be some conflicts, but what I would hope is that one day we do our very best to resolve those conflicts in a way that has at least minimal harm to non-human animals. Uh, At the least, I hope it will be minimized to the absolute last possible degree.
0: How do you mean exactly? Do you mean that we would um, stop using animals uh, for food or that we would farm animals humanely? How would you conceptualize that?
4: Well, I think ultimately we would stop using animals for food because I think that we would recognize that we would have a better attitude to them um, if we didn't and that that's better than farming them humanely. I mean, you know, that. I was thinking about the, the more difficult conflicts like we need to produce food for ourselves, we need to farm, and um, it involves taking over land uh, that no doubt is home to uh, animals, and then even just building, we clear sites where small animals might live. So, so those are the more difficult questions that you could really only imagine being properly resolved in some distant future utopian kind of world.
1: So are we getting closer to peace on earth? What does Pinker say?
0: So Pinkerham has this uh, argument saying that things like hunting have decreased, the number of animals harmed in feature films, those kinds of things have increased, and also um, things like blood sports. He shows a decrease in what I think is people's taste for seeing animals harmed. But if you look at the number of animals farmed for food, it's greater than ever. I was in touch with Steven Pinker by email, although we didn't get an interview for the story, but I managed to ask him about this exponential increase in intensively raised animal farming at a talk in October at the London School of Economics and Political Science.
2: It's certainly not true that cruel treatment of animals in uh, farms and factories is a phenomenon of the 20th century, that uh, if you look at histories of the treatment of animals, there were callous, uh, almost cruel practices such as tenderizing the meat of a, uh, uh, of a of swine while they were still alive by beating them to death, uh, nailing the feet of poultry to the floor, uh, bringing them up in uh, uh, close confinement in uh, pitch black barns because of various uh, theories that this would make the meat more palatable, skinning animals alive, all kinds of horrible things that go way back. Uh, it is true that in the in recent decades there's been an increase in uh, numbers of animals that have been brought into being and have lived on un, lived unhappy lives, uh, although I, I think not from an increase in callousness or cruelty, but from a change in uh, in, in two attitudes. One of them is that. Uh, an increase in the availability of meat, so that uh, meat is... uh, We're living in an unusual era in which poor people can eat meat whenever they want, uh, as opposed to it being a luxury of the rich. And uh, multiplying this calamity for animals is the fact that, starting in the 1970s, people got the idea that white meat was healthier than red meat. And uh, no one did the math to realize that it takes 200 chickens to provide the same amount of meat as one cow. So as people's tastes shift from red to white meat, 200 times more animals, more consciousnesses had to be brought into being. And so these two factors shot up the number of uh, animals that were uh, callously treated. Um, And by one measure, that is an increase in violence, although uh, I would argue that it's not because people got more callous. Quite the contrary, at least since the 1960s, the uh, awareness in the the West of animals' interests has shot up. And actually, in the United States, there have been a number of state-level measures, many of them passed by by plebiscites that have mandated uh, more humane treatment of uh, animals.
1: So Pinker accepts that more animals are being abused.
0: Yes, but I'm not sure whether overall conditions are improving. He seems to imply by talking about these horrific older practices that these practices are not around today. So he talks about animals being kept in the dark. Laying hands are still kept in the dark today and withheld food to force them into another laying cycle. Skinning animals alive, that's also something that still happens today, as any undercover video of the fur trade can attest. And, of course, there's been technological advances in rearing animals for food. So we know now that beating animals doesn't make their flesh more tender. And steps have been taken to limit carcass damage, as is in the case of something like controlled atmosphere killing versus stunning with chickens. And furthermore, farmers don't have to nail animals' feet to the ground to keep them in place. It would likely cause infection, which would kill a number of the animals that they were raising. But there's all a manner of special crates and machinery that can do that for them. So it's no longer necessary.
1: Gary Francione, professor of law and philosophy and the author of Rain Without Thunder, thinks animal welfare rules are a distraction at best and simply embed those technological advances. So I asked him what he thought of Pinker's thesis.
3: Well, because to the extent that Pinker says that, our vi- that, that the, the general level of violence um, is in any way uh, indicated by the reduction of violence of humans against non-humans, I would say that he's simply being naive and he doesn't really understand what's going on. I mean, first of all, we are using more animals now in more horrific ways than at any point but in the But Pinker
1: accepts that.
3: Yeah, but I mean, but what? So, so he bases it on this, on the supposed move towards more humane exploitation of animals. I mean, that simply doesn't make any sense. What Pinker doesn't understand is most of the, uh, uh, what he would regard as advances uh, towards supposedly humane, more humane exploitation of non human animals, he simply does not appreciate that for the most part. Most of those efforts result in the more efficient exploitation. Well, models, let's talk it?
1: about another um, another bit of people moving in a non people moving or not in a more nonviolent way. All right. Do you think the number of vegetarians and vegans is moving in the right direction?
3: Uh, not as quickly as I'd like to see it happening, but again, I mean, I don't, I don't. That doesn't, that doesn't. Perplex me because what you've got is you've got um, all of these large animal organizations. I mean, one of the things, one of the points I've made over the years is that these animal organizations have become partners with animal exploitation industries, so that they're, they're promoting the the happy meat, happy eggs, happy dairy nonsense. And, and I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: But- how does that relate back to the number of vegetarians and vegans? Particularly because, vegans.
3: If you're, because if you are involved in this issue and you join one of these organizations, they're not telling you that you should be vegan. And by the way, I don't accept it. I mean, I think the distinction between vegetarian... I think that the vegetarian position is a morally incoherent position. I don't think that there's any difference between meat and dairy. I mean, I think animals that are used for dairy are kept alive longer. They're treated every bit as badly. And they all end up in the same slaughterhouse anyway. So, I mean, I think that vegetarianism is a moral position is incoherent so i mean you join one of these organizations think about it ian these are businesses these are organizations that uh, want but, to match maximize- certainly
1: if somebody's doing that um in their head to be nicer to animals that is indicative of a trend uh to of humans intending yes, to be nice yes, animals. It, 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 that-
3: it, it is indicative in my judgment of a trend of self or other absolution for things which are morally wrong i mean i mean the idea that somebody says i am buying cage-free eggs because i want to be a morally better person pinker can look at that as a reduction in violence i can look at it as um a remarkably and disturbing excuse for continued violence
1: we don't have time to delve into the questions of counting vegetarians and vegans perhaps that's another show But what do you think?
0: I'm sceptical of Pinker's position that welfare improvements represent a decrease in violence or motivation towards a decrease in violence. But I'm also sceptical of Francione's position that all welfare improvements are down to efficiencies. I discussed this idea with Peter Singer.
4: Oh, but look, what the big debates have been about have been about uh, confinement and factory farming. I mean, by far the biggest change in agriculture over the last uh, 20 or 30 years has been the, uh, in in Europe in particular, the elimination of veal crates, of individual sow stalls, and uh, now of the standard battery cage. And in the United States, in similar way, the uh, elimination of all of those forms of confinement uh, in California, which is the result of the 2008 referendum uh, which is which is just starting to come into effect and this is costing uh, industry a very large amount of money and is undoubtedly contributing to an increase in the price of animal products i mean'm I'm, I'm, a modest increase but but the reason that these forms of confinement and factory farming came into effect was because they could economically outcompete the traditional farmers so you know it, it, it wasn't going back because of economic change it only went back because the public got involved and demanded it and uh, so i think it's complete nonsense to say that the advantages in animal welfare are for economic reasons rather than because of increased public concern about animal welfare that's i don't know why anybody in the animal movement would really make such a, a negative cynical kind of statement
1: i think you might have made the world a little less peaceful than it was at the start of the show now i know he's part not part of the animal protection movement or anything like that. But I want to know what Pinker thinks of this.
0: Pinker emailed me to say, With any humanitarian advance, there are always cynics who insist that no one ever acts out of true morality, that there always must be some self-serving interest. For example, the Quakers opposed slavery because they were bankers who financed the Industrial Revolution. These always strike me as far-fetched, not just because we know from sciences like evolutionary psychology and experimental game theory that people often incur costs for moralistic reasons, but because the particular explanations often seem more strained than the moralistic ones. He goes on to say, if we set up institutions that allow people to be less cruel and destructive as they pursue their interest, that is a sign of progress. But in the book, Pinker says that there might be practical limits on what he calls the animal rights revolution, reasons that they may not emulate the trajectory of other rights revolutions like women's rights such as what would happen to wild carnivores. I asked Peter Singer about that as well.
4: Now, the, the other points that Pinker raises relating to uh, wild carnivores are more difficult questions, certainly. If we want to continue to preserve natural ecological systems, then I guess we have to leave carnivores and we have to leave them their prey. Some philosophers have speculated that maybe it's not worth doing that, the amount of suffering they inflict, and that it would be better um, perhaps even to get rid of carnivores. That's something that, that is a possibility that we decide that the suffering they inflict is so great that it would be better to, have a, uh, to get rid of them once and for all so that the world doesn't have that kind of suffering in it. And other people, of course, think that that's outrageous and that there's, uh, it would be... Causing wonderful species to become extinct, and it would be an act of human domination over nature, which is quite wrong so mm-hmm. so there is a there's a there's plenty of room to debate those questions, um, but I think that they are at least at the moment um, not really questions that we need to be concern ourselves with practically because while we're we're raising in brutal fashion and killing maybe fifty billion animals for food each year, um, I think the behavior of carnivores, you know, is, is not going to be something that we can, we, we can afford to be critical of. Um, so I think that's a sort of a theoretical possibility rather than a serious practical issue.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. When I was reading that chapter, I was thinking that, you know, the women's rights revolution wasn't constrained by the fact that we weren't sure if we weren't going to be able to emancipate women from pregnancy. You know, that I, I mean, in my personal opinion, I thought he put sort of these false constraints on how far animal liberation can go as opposed to other kinds of rights revolutions.
4: Yeah, it's it's something, exactly. It's, it's something of a distraction uh, at, at this stage anyway. And, you know, maybe some feminists have speculated on whether women should be freed from pregnancy that uh there have been there has been discussion about about that and whether that would be a good thing, but it's a different matter. And as you say, it has nothing to do with whether women should have the vote or the right to own property or the right to compete with men for the same jobs at the same pay. All of those basic things are completely separate, They're just as uh, questions about factory farming and how we ought to treat animals in in labs and so on have really nothing to do with with. How we make these difficult decisions about the conflicting values of uh, preserving carnivorous species.
1: But do our contributors think there's going to be peace on Earth?
3: Do I think we're going to have peace on Earth? Um, I believe that uh, we need to have a revolution, a nonviolent revolution, a paradigm shift, a, re- a nonviolent revolution of the heart. Um, and whether that's going to happen, I think, is going to, d- to depend largely on the extent to which we. Um, continue to buy into the idea, uh, the fundamental idea of materialism, that um, the value of self and others is determined by material elements. I think that we are presently in a spiritual crisis of gargantuan proportions. We're either going to uh, uh, realize at some point, Ian, that this is a disaster, or we're going to um, we're going to destroy ourselves. I believe
4: and hope that we're heading towards peace on earth i believe that we have been making moral progress over the past few centuries uh we still have a very long way to go and uh, we're certainly i'm certainly not going to live to see true peace on earth but um, as long as we're heading in the right direction uh, i think that's encouraging
1: thank you to professors francione singer and pinker for their time and to you for your listening
0: If you would like to hear the full interviews or find out more about this piece on earth, see our show notes at theveganoption.org. We've got our own Christmas present list, but it won't cost you anything. If you like us, and you must if you've gotten this far in the show, you can share us via Twitter, via Facebook or iTunes. It would be the best holiday present we could ask for.
1: Sincere thanks to Eden Girl and Richard who have already written positive reviews on iTunes.
0: I'm Diana Fleischman, commenting and blabbing far too much. I'm Ian McDonald, reporting and producing. Copyright us. Digital artist Rob Masters wrote our theme. Actuality of the Steven Pinker talk is courtesy of the London School of Economics. Details in the show notes.